welcome to the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. Hello, hello. Welcome to the episode. Don, don, don. I'm super excited. I got engaged since the last podcast, which is very funny because my last full length episode was Roy and me talking about our relationship and how much we have learned about ourselves in the relationship. I like to say, make sure people understand we're talking about what we've learned about ourselves in this relationship because I think it's really important um, to pay attention to the things that we learn about ourselves. But it was funny because we recorded that on Sunday Um, on Sunday, the 2nd of April. And um, I had just gotten home from work and I said, hey, I'm I'm doing a relationship about what I've learned being in this, in this, I'm doing a podcast about what I can't talk. I'm doing a podcast about what I have learned since being in this relationship. I haven't gotten very far. So do you want to just do it with me? Let's do it together. And he said, sure. So we sat down at the kitchen table and we recorded it. And little did I know that while I was at work, he was in really, really in a big, big hurry to go to Michael's, buy stencils and paint, lay out our boot camp flag that we use every single day for a group picture, and spray paint, will you marry me on the back of it? And then remove all evidence of all the things. I don't know where he put it to dry, but basically he had to do all of that while I was at work for three hours. Now, sometimes I come home from work early because if no one comes to my last class, I only have to stay for 15 minutes and then I can go home. And I don't remember, but I don't think I texted him that, you know, that I was indeed staying. Usually I don't text him if I'm staying up, but I'll text him and say, coming home early. But sometimes I come home early and I don't text him. So he had to be done really, really fast. And um, I had told him, if you propose to me, good luck surprising me because I am not surprisable. I figure everything out. Like, I just, not because I'm super smart, but because um, I notice little things. Well, he was, you know, paranoid about that a little bit, but also uh, challenge accepted. He um, he took the, the challenge. So he was hell-bent on surprising me. So um, I keep getting asked, did I, did I know that he was going to propose? Well, I did not know he was going to propose when he did propose, but I knew it was coming because I had found the ring. He, God bless him, he had ordered the ring to be delivered. And whomever he ordered it from did not um, update him on the tracking that it had been shipped. And indeed it had been shipped. And I had gone down to the package room and gotten this giant pile of packages. We'd been buying a whole bunch of stuff for kids boot camp. So I was standing at the kitchen table opening packages and we were talking and I wasn't looking at whose name was on the front, but you know, here's a package. It's a bunch of whistles. Here's some cones. Here's some, uh, here's some hoops. And then here, oh my God, this is an engagement ring box. Freaked out. Like, oh, did you buy an engagement ring? So it was this moment of just total, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And, um... So I knew he had a ring. I knew it was coming. I honestly thought that he was going to propose in Italy because it was the perfect setting, right? We went, especially in Venice. I Venice is my dream come true. We went to Venice. You know, you can ride a gondola. And um, that was actually the original plan. But because I saw the ring, um, that plan was scrapped. And I was also sick in Venice. But I thought maybe he would still pull it out and do it. But he didn't. I was sick in Venice. And then when we got to Rome, he was sick and there was a lot going on. So I didn't get proposed to in Italy. And I was a little disappointed because I really, I just really thought it was going to happen there. And I wanted to have news. And so we would come home and I actually told some people too. I'm like, I think I might get a ring in Italy. Um, so then when I came home and they all look at me with wide eyes and expectation, I'm like, no, he got a, a medal and a tattoo. I got nothing. Um, I meant that in jest, but I did say that. So anyway, so I knew that it was coming at some point, but I had no idea that he was going to do it so soon after Italy. Um, We had just booked a trip to San Francisco for me, and I was thinking just the night before, I bet he's going to propose in San Francisco because it's his home and it's so special to him. And that would have been fine. But anyway, so our year anniversary of our first date was Tuesday, 
And um, we went to boot camp as usual. And before we went out to boot camp, he grabbed me in a hug and a kiss. And we had this little moment. And we walked out to boot camp. And um, I was just overwhelmed with emotion, just gratitude, because meeting him just changed my life so much. And I, he just, he's obviously, I'm madly in love with him because I'm going to marry him. Um, but we went out and we did boot camp. And now Tuesday boot camps, Tuesday and Thursday are the weekday boot camps I coach. I don't coach Monday or Wednesday. Um, so they're kind of my only mornings now that I coach at sunrise and they're very special to me and we had a big group and I just feel so me. I feel like my soul is in charge. I'm not thinking a whole lot. It's a flow. It's, it's, it's really the, the closest thing I can think of might be what heaven is like because I'm not a soul in a body. I feel like I'm just a soul. I'm doing something that I love. I love the people so much. I see their faces. I, I see the sunrise and I'm, I'm a complete, I'm a whole, whole soul. So this beautiful energy and it was just building and flowing and I was just loving it and I was just channeling gratitude and I was even asking them all, I'm like, all right, on every rep, I want you to say something you, just list something you love. So that was flowing. And then I had decided to to surprise Roy. At the stretch, I decided to play one of our songs, one of our songs that we dance to, one of the songs that's really special to us during our stretch and just say something. I didn't plan anything, but say something to tell the group, you know, that it was this, our special day and how grateful I am for him and especially for these people, how grateful I am that he has come into boot camp and become such a powerful part of the experience. He loves them. He brings so much of his heart. And just a year prior, he he wasn't there. And it, he's just made such a big difference. So I turned the song on. We're stretching. And I couldn't tell if he could hear the song. But I started crying. I was having a really hard time leading stretch. Just so emotional. And then I saw that he heard it. And he was emotional. And um, I did just that. I just told everyone, hey, today's the one-year anniversary of our first date and the universe brings to you the things that you most want at the time when you least expect it. And it's always so much more than we even dream. Like we can dream something and imagine it as big and beautiful and perfect as we can. And then when it comes to pass, it's always bigger and more beautiful and more spectacular than our little brains can even fathom. I, I couldn't have painted a Roy. I couldn't have described or written down everything that that man is I, I I didn't imagine that such a combination of amazingness was possible so I didn't say all of that but I said most of that and had this little moment and everybody applauded and gave him a hug and a kiss and that was it so then we gathered up to do the group photo and we always do a group photo and it, sometimes it's like herding cats to get them to do it because everyone's done working out they're visiting they're chatting everyone is friends but everyone gathered rather quickly. And it was a special day too because we had two people come who used to come. Um, we hadn't seen in a while and they came back. Um, so they rejoined up for a month. So, so nice to see them on the beach. Um, and then most of our, our regulars were there and some people who've known me my whole time that I've been here were, were there. So we gathered up for our group photo. And then afterwards, Roy said, hey, come, Chrissy, I want you in the front. I want to do one with you and me in the front which I didn't think anything of because it was our anniversary. I thought, oh, he wants to do a special picture of us on our anniversary. So I come around to the front and he pulls me kind of like directly into the front and I'm stumbling around. And then I look over and I see that the sign is turned around. The flag is turned around and I see, will you marry me? And I just, just was so shocked and so happy. And he proceeded to say the most beautiful things to me, just talking about, you know how he came here and he was really broken and he didn't even really know that he was that broken i don't know he was that broken um he was broken and i was a walled fortress and because we we just fell in love so fast even though the logistics of all of it took time to figure out and we 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 got closer and pulled apart a few times because it was there was so much going on underneath our surface but our love was so strong that it it kept us persisting. And on my side, that just meant giving him time and space to exhale and learn who he was 
and be Roy and experience what it's like to be in a relationship that's different than the ones he'd been in. Our relationship is totally different than the relationships he's been in recently. And so it took him a while to relax. And same thing for me. My dynamic with him is something I've never experienced. I've never been able to let anyone in the way that I've let him in um, or let anybody help me or really partner with me. I've been so independent, so determined to do it all by myself that when anybody has really, really tried, it's, it's, I've been unable to be vulnerable enough to say, I need a partner to get my life done the way that I envision it. And I want a partner. I want you to partner with me. I want you to help me. I want you to make me better. I I want to learn and grow with you. I don't have it all figured out. And life is is easier when I can share it with you. I never wanted to admit that I couldn't do it all by myself. That I was just that it was just fine. And there's a difference between being fine, being alone, like not desperate, and a, a diff- and then also what I was, which was determined to be a lone island. And if you get too close, you best go away because I'm an island. And um, when you don't need anybody, you end up not having anybody. <laughs> so his his speech was perfect, and I could have echoed it right back at him. But um, it was so beautiful. And he just said, you know, I want to spend the rest of my life, you know, being the man you deserve. And I'm like, you already are. Like, he already is just so magnificent. So very tearful little speech. It was so beautiful. And then he got on one knee and pulled out the ring out of his back pocket. And it was it's a pink ring, which makes me so happy. And I said, yes, of course. And uh, lots of applause and hugs. And it was just perfect. Sunrise, sunshine, sweaty, sandy, just like I like it. And, and the people that have known me since I got here and the people that I get to wake up and spend my mornings with. It was so special. It was so beautiful. And um, I wish everybody from boot camp could have been there, but I would have really wondered what was going on if like 55 people showed up. So it was amazing. And Linda was there and she's an amazing photographer and she got some really, really terrific photos. And Tamar, who's been coming to boot camp, she's been here um, this spring. She has been excited about us getting engaged and she bought a veil recently and brought it along. She found out about the proposal. There were a few people that were in on it. And so she had this fun veil. So we did some pictures with the veil, which was so much fun. So I said yes. And then unfortunately, Roy had to go to work. So we got to bask for about an hour and then I walked him to work and I spent the day talking to my family and telling people the news and it was really, really fun while he was working, (laughs) but it's fine. So we are engaged and so happy and so grateful we found each other and we're going to be engaged for a year. We're going to plan a wedding for next year. Don't really know where or what, what it's going to look like, but we're going to just enjoy being engaged and um, I'm going to enjoy wearing my ring and we're going to bask in the joy of finding each other. And then you know, we've only known each other a year. So this next year is just going to be continued learning and discovering and growing and um, refining. I mean, we both have a lot um, in our history. We both have been married and divorced twice. So this is our third. And um, I'm determined that this is the last time down the romantic aisle. I just, um, I, I found somebody that is such a beautiful soul and that I just trust implicitly that there's nothing coming up that I can imagine in life that I cannot endure or figure out with with this man next to me he's just um he's the partner for me and it just makes me so happy so but we we still have a lot of moments less frequently as time goes on where our old patterns rise up and our own our old defense mechanisms kick in we've both had relationships that were very abusive and we've both been the unhealthy partner in an unhealthy dynamic and so you know we come into this with our eyeballs wide open there's no rose-colored glasses that we are not going to do this perfectly all the time but 
I feel like we are building a wide, solid, beautiful foundation. So I'm really happy. So for all of you that reached out with congratulations, thank you so much. It's been just an overflowing, over joyful, just basking in all of the joy and love and support from everyone. It's so wonderful to be marrying somebody that a lot of people I know have experienced. And so they know Roy and they're, they also love him. So no Roy is to love him. And, um, especially the boot campers, they've seen him since day one. They love him. They adore him. He adores them. It's, there isn't anything like, well, tell me about Roy. I don't really know him very well. It's like, oh my gosh, we love Roy. We love Roy for you. I've heard that so much. I love Roy for you. Knowing you and then seeing him, it was like, oh my gosh, I love Roy for you. And I'm like, yes, I love Roy for me. I'm the luckiest girl in the world. I feel like I've got the greatest man alive and he wants to marry me. And that makes me feel so special. And it also feels like a big responsibility. I want to be everything he thinks I am. He thinks I'm amazing. He thinks I'm this perfect, amazing soul. And while I do believe that I'm an amazing person, I have plenty of self-love. I also know my own warts better than most. And um, I want to I wanna be a good woman for my good man. So off we go. Continue to learn, grow, and become better and better versions of ourselves. I heard somebody, or I think it was an Instagram reel, where it said, um, basically, when you get together, your commitment should be, I am going to take really good care of me for you. And I need you to take really good care of you for me. And that really, that that's a nicer way of saying what I like to say is I'm going to keep my side of the street clean. <laughs> I want to keep my side of the street clean so that Roy can live on a clean street. And I need him to keep his side of the street clean so I can live on a clean street. And that's a full-time job. When we're busying ourselves with taking care of our own garbage, we don't have a lot of time to yell at the other person on what they need to do. So, <sighs> yay. I have a fiancé. It's so much fun. It's so much fun to say that. I was starting to feel like a little kid being like my boyfriend. Like, what am I, 12? But I'm not 12. I'm a grown-ass woman, and now I have a fiancé, so I'm so excited. So there will be more episodes of the podcast coming with Roy. I really want to get him involved in this podcast. Roy has a lot of insight, a lot of stories. Roy has been through a lot of different experiences in his life that he can speak to that I cannot. And um, uh, he's getting more and more comfortable with sharing those things. And you're going to learn a lot from Roy. I I learned so much from him. I I see such sweet, quiet power in him. And he's just starting to really grab onto that and notice it in himself. So I'm excited to have more Roy in the podcast world. So you guys get to know him a little bit better too. So all the yays. All right. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about my feelings, my beliefs, my views on what I call wife game. I like to say to my friend Amanda, you have a strong wife game. Wife game strong. And what I mean by that is I see her interacting with her husband, Jeff, and I see just, I see how, what a spectacular wife she is. And they have a wonderful relationship. And um, obviously it's easier to be a good partner when your partner is also a good partner. But I also believe that in a relationship, each person should be participating in the relationship like the entire success of the relationship depends on them. And if both people are doing that, a beautiful thing is created. And obviously we have ebbs and flows day to day. Sometimes we don't have a whole lot to give. Sometimes we can give a lot. And you know you have to be able to roll with that, obviously. But I see in their marriage, I see an example of two people that show up in a really beautiful way for each other. And... Um, and I love it. I love watching it. And I, I hope now that I'm going to be a wife that I can also create that kind of a dynamic in my marriage. And I have attempted to do so in the relationship that I already have. And I will just, the disclaimer, okay, I've been divorced twice. And so this is, you know, I'm not like some marriage expert, but um, my first marriage, I learned a lot. I did a lot of things wrong. I did, I, I behaved in ways that I'm not proud of. Um, I was, it was also a very abusive, controlling, manipulative marriage. Um, I would say that the marriage was doomed because uh, there was never any change in the core beliefs of my husband, which was that he was in charge and he ran the show and that he, I mean, I was basically to obey and follow and, and behave 
So when I started to stand up for myself as a human being, it was, you know, you're rebellious and you're rebelling. And, um, and he could never, ever see that I should have rights as a human being. And that's really where the, that whole thing was screwed up. But in the midst of that, I had this belief system for a long time that, you know, if I could just keep the peace in my home, if I could just make him happy, keep him happy, then we'd have a happy home and I'd make it work. Like I was determined to make it work. And so a lot of my viewpoints um, worked then. Um, it didn't save the marriage, but the fact that we did have as much happiness as we did, I believe stemmed from a lot of the ways that I learned how to behave. Now, a lot of it was not necessarily appropriate. I definitely kowtowed way too much. But I was in a situation where I was like, I'm not going to leave. I have to make the best of this situation. And so I wanted to do the best that I could. And I wanted to be as good of a wife as I possibly could. Now, since then, I've been in relationships that were balanced and beautiful and wonderful. And when I showed up in that way, they showed up also in that way. And I've experienced amazingly healthy, amazing dynamics in relationships. And so I contend that no matter what the situation has been in my relationships, even when I've been with people that I ended up leaving or that didn't treat me well, it was still within my capability to behave in a way that I was proud of. So what I'm going to talk about is my personal belief in how I should be showing up as a wife. And I recorded this already and I'm starting over because I started talking about it with friends last night and even Roy and it got very controversially charged. I assume that when I speak that all these qualifications are understood, that it's assumed that I already, that I'm already understanding that it's not always the case or this is the ideal situation and it's not always ideal and um, nobody should take abuse, nobody should be treated like crap you know, no good husband should want a woman to serve and worship him and treat her less than I lived that. So if anybody knows that, it's me. And so I realized I do have to say that stuff, which is annoying because I spend, I spend half this podcast qualifying everything I say to make sure that it's understood that I get it, that what I'm talking about is ideal. So I'm just going to say it at the beginning. What I'm talking about is an ideal so I'm going into a really uh, beautiful relationship with an amazing man. I have a, a relationship that I love. It's beautiful. It's fresh. We're going to go into a marriage. And I'm going to assume that all things are going to remain equal. And my husband-to-be is going to do the same thing on his side as in show up as his best self. Because I already know that he lives by and behaves by a set of rules and a code in how he should behave in order to respect me. He seeks to respect me, therefore he serves me. And that word serve gets, you know, people freak out and there's this recoil of like, oh, you shouldn't have to serve your spouse. Well, I can't think of a better word to use, but of course I don't mean like I'm a servant, but it's the spirit of service. Roy serves me all the time, but he doesn't do it with the spirit of service. Like I have to serve her. She's the queen bee and I must be bowing down to her. No, he serves me because he wants to respect me and make me feel cherished. He desires to make me feel cherished and loved and safe and action verb loved. And therefore he behaves in such a way that he serves me. And so I'm going to assume all those things remain equal. And then I'm going to tell you my list of things of the things that I believe the ways that I should show up in order to make sure that Roy is living with a woman that, that treats him well. I want him to look across the room and see me, point me out, and feel very proud to say to anyone who asks, that's my wife. And there isn't another woman in this room that could possibly take as good of care of me as a wife as that woman. And when I say take care of, I mean nurture his heart, be a good partner, be a a connected, attentive, active partner. So this is why I, I'm re-recording this because I, I shouldn't have to say all of that, but I, I do because people, when I say how I feel, immediately say, what about this and what about that? It's frustrating. Um, and I'm not a woman hater. I'm not a, I'm not a anti-feminist, but I am. I will just say I'm old school. I have very old school sensibilities. I've seen really beautiful husband and wife dynamics that is, you know, based on essentially the the June Cleaver, uh, the Leave It to Beaver era. 
um, the traditional roles. And I skew that way. My system skews that way. Even though I'm an independent woman, I've been living single. I take care of myself. I have not had a husband uh, in a long time. And when I did have a husband, uh, they didn't take care of me financially or I just didn't sit home in the kitchen. So it's certainly not that I'm anti-feminist. I am an incredibly independent, powerful woman. But when it comes to a relationship, I love being a traditional female. I love the role of a wife. It makes me feel fulfilled. It makes me feel female and um, powerful to be able to take care of um, my future husband's heart and his space and his needs. It's fulfilling. And so if you take issue with any of that, you shouldn't listen to the rest of this because I'm just going to piss you off because I'm going to just speak freely. So, and this might not be of any interest to anybody, but this is, this is just uh, what I want to talk about. So here we go. So wife role, wife, wife game, number one. It is my, my, my wife game duty, number one, is to look for and see and recognize the little boy inside of my husband and take care of him. When, when things go wrong, when people get upset or hurt or ego comes out, often by taking a look at the person and saying, what's really going on? What is the little child inside of them saying? You can really understand what's going on. Instead of getting so angry that maybe Roy would raise his voice a little or get frustrated, to stop and say, what, what's actually happening here? Is he frustrated and is he, is he snapping at me because I have kicked little Roy? Because I have hurt little Roy's feelings. Um, it's really important to me to notice that. To, you know, men have egos and they're, and well, women have egos too, but men have, have egos. And a lot of times when their hearts are hurt, it comes out as, you know, more of an ego protective thing. And Roy is very, very kind. He doesn't get mad very often. He certainly doesn't get mad at me as often as he should or could. But when I, when I do see that I have stepped on something, it's usually I've hurt a little, little boy inside of him. And I love the little boy inside of him. And so I want to take care of that. And I want to be mindful of that. And, you know, when I, when I first saw the little boy inside of Roy, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. We were um, broken up at the time. We were still friends. But he was determined that I was the person for him. And I was determined that um, he was not the person for me, but that we were going to stay connected. I just really feel like we had a future. But I thought it was going to be as friends because... We had hit a wall in our dynamic and I just really was struggling. And so I broke up with him and it was heartbreaking, heartbreaking for both of us. But we are still navigating the same friend group. He's still in boot camp. He's still here. And so we found ourselves at the same place and he was amazing. You, you would never have been able to tell. Most people had no idea that we had broken up. Um, but he just treated me with respect. And I think a lot of guys would never have been able to handle that dynamic. But with this day where our friend Danny took us all out on his sailboat and, um, our hearts were both still really broken, but you know, I'm the one who dumped him. So I was a lot more confident and fine than he was going out in public, but we were on the sailboat and there was a bunch of us and it was windy and Danny was setting up the sails and getting things going. And he said, Hey, Kristen, grab the wheel. You need to steer. And I'm like, uh, excuse me. If you listened to my episode before about the sailboat, um, you know that I am not a calm sailor. Um, and so I grabbed the wheel and I'm just starting to freak out. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to do this. And the wind got into the sails and we start going fast and we're turning. And I'm like, no, I'm freaking out. And he's like, oh my gosh, Kristen scooted over. Roy, grab the wheel. So Roy scooted in. He grabbed the wheel and Danny's giving him instructions. And pretty soon they had this little flow going and Roy was steering. The wind caught the sails and we were flying across the water. And I looked at Roy's face and he had this little grin that was eight-year-old Roy. And I saw little Roy on display. And I thought, oh no, <laughs> I am not going to be able to walk away from this person. I am not going to be able to end this. Uh, I just, I felt so much more in love with him, even though I was trying to distance myself because I didn't feel like we were supposed to stay together. But I saw little Roy and I just, I saw little Roy driving a sailboat and it was so precious. And obviously we got back together after dealing with our, our triggers, our issues. 
And I will never forget the way he looked in his face. And when we're busy and he's concentrating and we're working hard, sometimes I'll just turn music on and I'll come over and ask him to dance. And I see little Roy take over. His eyes light up. And I just, I just feel like as his wife, as his partner, my wife game, number one, is to spend time with little Roy, to bring little Roy out, to take care of little Roy, and to really, really spend time with love on and get to know and nurture and keep safe the little boy that's inside of him. And he does the same thing for me. He is always um, quick to dance with me, quick to try to get me to giggle, making terribly dry dad jokes. And he really wants to spend time with the little girl inside of me. And so we always say the best days are when little Chrissy and little Roy get to play and get to hang out. We go and have the best time. If you ever saw any of our videos from when we were in Rome, that is really what happened. We were able to set aside work and obligations and our busy schedules and just be little Roy and little Chrissy do Italy <laughs> with little Danny. It was so fun to spend time um, as our little kid selves. So wife game, rule number one, take care of little Roy and get your mind out of the gutter. I already know when I was talking about this before to people, there was a lot of snickering, but anyway, number two, this is where the words, you know, get controversial, but I really feel like I need to serve him. Serve him as in take care of every need that I possibly can for him out of love and respect for him. So instead of keeping score on you do the dishes, I sweep the floor and, you know, you didn't pick that up for me, so I'm not picking that up for you. I want to approach him, and I tried to already, as somebody who is here to make his life easier, to make his life smoother, to relieve life's stress as much as I can, to take care of our home the best that I can, to be a, a woman who serves him in a beautiful companion way, not as a, I'm beneath his feet, I'm a servant. When I talk about serving, I'm not meaning as a lesser individual. I'm talking about as someone who loves him dearly. And with the assumption that on a good day, we are both doing this for each other, always. This isn't about one is higher than the other. This isn't about I am a lesser person, I'm a weak woman, and he is the all-powerful male. No, it's about he's a human being that wants me to partner with him for life. And I'm a human being who wants to partner with him for life. And I want my partner's experience with me to be one of joy and ease. I want to ease the burden of life. I want to make life with me easier than if he were not with me. So things like just taking care of, of the house, that kind of stuff. Now, we split separation of duties quite a bit right now. We have a very small space, like 600 and some square feet. So it's hard. We have to keep it neat. But like today, I just got, he had to rush out to work after boot camp. I had to go train a bunch of clients after a boot camp. And he didn't have time. He quickly made breakfast and had to go. So he left a mess. He texted me and said, hey, I'm sorry I left in a hurry. I left in a mess. That's him respecting me. That's him being a good partner. And I said, hey, no problem. So I got home at a few minutes. I quickly cleaned up the kitchen because I know he's gonna get home before me. I want him to come into a nice, clean, relaxing space. So it took 10 minutes. I cleaned up the breakfast. I took care of that. Now, sometimes I cook, he does dishes. We don't have to have this in stone. But it wasn't about the dishes. It was about serving him as my partner. I put his stuff away. I tried to you know, straighten up in the little bit of time that I had. And then I let him know, hey, it wasn't that bad. I did the best that I can. You're going to get home before I will. And so when I get home, I know he's going to do that. So it's about, it's about serving each other. It's about trying to ease the load. Now, a lot of people have different separation of duties in their life. There's roommate issues, all that stuff. We talked about it in our joint podcast. But in all ways in life, I want to serve him. I want to take care of him. When he comes home hungry for dinner, if I have the time and if I have the bandwidth, I want to make him a meal. Not because I'm the woman who deserves to be in the kitchen and I should be in the kitchen. But as a female and I like to cook dinner, I want to be able to serve dinner to my husband. That makes me feel really, really good. And the roles of male and female, husband, wife, don't have to be traditional in every relationship. But in mine, that's what I want and that's what I crave and that's what is so fulfilling for me. So my wife game involves serving my husband in every way that I can. And again, I qualify it. There are gonna be times where he's crabby and he's 
off his game. I'm not going to feel like it. That's when this really comes into play. I'm not going to feel like it all the time. I'm going to get tired. I'm going to get busy. I'm going to get resentful about stuff because I'm going to be a human living with a human. But because I feel like it's so important, my goal is that even if I don't feel like it and he doesn't quote unquote deserve it, I want to do it anyway. I don't want to slam food in front of him anger like here's your dinner asshole. I want to be able to say, you know what? He's not doing his best today. He's not having his best day, but I'm still his wife and I want to serve him. That is why it's important for me to note these things. Just like we don't always want to brush our teeth and we don't always want to go to the gym and we don't always want to eat a vegetable instead of a Pop-Tart. We don't always want to take care of our partner. We don't always like them in every moment. But I believe it's my responsibility as a wife to still serve my husband whether I feel like it or not. Again, ideally in a perfect situation and considering the fact that he's not abusive and terrible, blah, 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 blah. Okay, there's all of your qualifications. I get so annoyed with all of that. I really do. <laughs> because of course that doesn't apply to an abusive situation. And, you know, your husband, if he walks in, slams down his, his junk on the middle of the floor and says, where's my dinner, woman? Of course, a person like that I don't think is earning the right to have a wife who treats him like that, okay? It's a two-way street. Roy would never, ever. Roy doesn't even expect me to cook for him. That's the beautiful thing. If I cook for him, the first thing that he says is, oh my goodness, thank you. And he does all the time. Thank you so much for feeding me. So you, you see, it's a beautiful two-way street. We're starting with ideals here. Number three, I believe that it's really, really important as Roy's wife that I repair when I hurt him. So we talked about this in our joint podcast too. A lot of times we hurt each other's feelings in life, in a relationship. And I'm really terrible at this. I'm really, really terrible at repair. When I screw up or I hurt his feelings or I act terribly, I often just kind of be like, hey, I'm sorry about that. And I just want to brush it off, but I don't really want to dig down and like get vulnerable and have the moment. I get very embarrassed. And so... That type of thing can be very damaging long-term in a relationship. So if you think about your car, right? You, you have a nice car and you open the door into a cement pole and you dent it. I've done this. Did it uh, like a week after I got my new car? Not this one, but... So you dent your car, right? You've done damage. Now, if you just kind of pop the dent out and go about your way and you don't really actually fix it, you're going to have a mark that's going to show. And over time, especially if you live where there's bad conditions like salt in the air or salt on the roads, that, that is going to rust and it's going to degrade. It's going to weaken the door. If you don't fix it completely, it's going to be visible. It's going to reduce the value of that car. Now, if you do nothing and you just leave it all dented in, now that's even worse, obviously. But just like in a relationship, over time, little dings, little hurts, if you don't repair them, they start to pile up. They damage the structure. They make it a weaker, uh, it makes it a weaker car, a weaker relationship. And so it's not enough just to patch over a ding, a little hurt, a misunderstanding. It's important to fully repair. I'm really sorry. I, I, I'm really sorry. I wish I hadn't done that. You know, make amends. How can I make it up for you? How can I make sure I don't do that again? How can we communicate better about this so that this doesn't happen again? I want to be a safe place for your heart. So I don't want you to feel like you're going to lay your heart at my feet and it's going to get stepped on and then not apologized for or dinged up and just left to, to, to rust. It's really, really important to repair. And then the last thing that I believe this is the most controversial and, um, you know, I, I, I will qualify this a billion different ways. And I'm not going to talk in super detail about this, but this is something I feel really passionate about. And I'm not going to pass judgment on anybody else who disagrees. And, but I will say every relationship is different. Men and women are different. Sexuality is different. And I can't speak for anyone else but myself. So, um, wife game. If you get married to a man and you are asking him to commit to you, to be faithful to you until the end of time. Monogamy, right? Monogamy. You only have sex with each other. I really believe that is a very unfair vow to ask for and receive from a man unless you are willing to be an available partner. So again, obviously women are like slow cookers and men are like microwaves. 
we operate differently. Obviously, life gets busy. We have kids, all of these different things. Obviously, no woman wants to have sex with a jerk or on demand or disrespectfully, okay? I'm not saying any of that is true. But in a perfect relationship, in a good relationship where it's ideal, I just really believe that that as a woman, it's important to take the role as the only person that my husband is allowed to have sex with seriously. So if I eat dinner right now and I get really, really full, I've eaten my favorite foods, and then I walk out the door and I immediately land in a food court full of donuts, popcorn, cookies, my favorite foods, they all smell really good, I'm not going to be as tempted to eat those things because I'm full. I've got a full belly. So I can go out into the world and be around food all the time and not be tempted to eat it. Same thing with men, I believe. I see it I see it this way. If my husband's only allowed to have sex with me, and if he is satisfied sexually, when he leaves my house and he sees tempting things, he hears tempting things, my future husband is incredibly good looking, maybe he gets hit on, maybe he gets flirted with. If he's full, if he's not sexually hungry, I don't worry about if it's going to be tempting for him. He's not hungry. He's being fed, if you know what I mean. Now, men who cheat, this doesn't justify. If you're in a relationship and you're not having sex with your husband and he goes out and cheats and blames it on you, that's not okay. I'm not saying that. I'm also not saying as soon as your husband walks in the door, you should drop trowel and be like, here I am, honey. Like, no, I of course am not saying that. I of course understand that there is all kinds of dynamics, but a zoomed out macro perspective of this, that's how I really feel. And I just think it's important to think really hard about making a vow of monogamy with someone. If you already know that you're not really into sex or you don't wanna have sex, or you at least need to talk about this, does your husband know that on, in a perfect world for you, you really don't wanna have sex? Because if you're not willing to do that, don't you think that he should know what that means? I get really frustrated when I see examples of sexless marriages and all the frustration that goes along with it. And the reason isn't one of those things that does kind of explain. Sometimes there are real reasons for this. But I hear women say like, well, I just don't feel like it. So, oh, well, tough noogies. You know, like, I don't care. And I don't... I don't feel like that's right. And so for me, it's important to me that I maintain a sexual connection with my partner and also take the time to understand what that means. And if I'm not feeling that way, to take a time to understand why that is and also to communicate that. I don't, I don't know all the reasons why some women stop having sex. I don't understand a lot of the reasons that happen with hormones, but I know they exist. And of course, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in a perfect world where there isn't a health concern, where there aren't all these things that you're going to throw at me and say, but what about this? What about this? No, I'm talking about a beautifully structured, open, happy, healthy, communicating relationship. And I believe that's very, very important. And it's not like, oh, well, I'll wait until I feel like it. And then, yeah. No, I think it's important to nurture the sexual relationship between um, your partner. And I think women in general, I shouldn't even say that. I believe it's my role, my wife game strong, would involve me making sure that I am connecting in that way and that I am talking about it and that I am willing to spend time. That's part of it. We get busy. I'm willing to spend time to nurture that part of my relationship with my husband that it's that important to me because I know it's important to him. It's an important physical thing for him. Just like I know that he is going to take the time to spend with me in the ways that are important to me, emotionally, support, time, doing things he necessarily doesn't like to do, but he's going to do them because he loves me, because he wants to spend time doing things that matter to me. And I really believe that that is a big part of Wife Game Strong. So, there you have it. That's how I feel. Whether you care or not. I mean, you listened, so you must care. And I'm sure there's all kinds of examples of how what I believe would not, uh, would not serve you, and that's totally fine. Um, 
but I'm excited to be a wife. I take it all very seriously and I'm excited. It, it's, there's a part of me and I believe as females, um, biologically, um, and emotionally, we, women are created as nurturers and the female role is not one of weakness and subservient to men. It's a beautiful compliment. Um, it's, it's, it's ridiculous how much we have to qualify these things in this day and age. You can't even really, I can't even really say that I'm a, I'm a woman and, and he's a man without that whole conversation, but I'm a female and I, I believe females and males, just like in nature, work really beautifully together. And I'm excited to fulfill um, that part of my nature, which is to be a mate, a, par a partner, a mate, a wife. I'm excited to be a wife. And it is an awesome responsibility. I take it on as an awesome responsibility. Just like if someone gifted me a Lamborghini. It's a beautiful, amazing gift. I would feel so lucky. And it's also a responsibility. Keep it clean. Keep it polished. Take care of it. Keep it safe. Make sure that it's um, given maintenance. It's, get, it's fed good gasoline. It's... It's well-maintained because I'm so proud of it. That's how I want to feel about my marriage and my husband. It is an awesome responsibility. And it's a privilege. Would it not be a privilege to own a Lamborghini? I, I, I don't own Roy. Roy doesn't own me. See, this is why I get annoyed. Of course, I don't feel like I'm going to be owned. But <laughs> to, to be able to say, that man over there is my husband, that's an honor. Because I respect him. And I think he's the greatest man alive. And so I want to take care of him. I want to take care of his heart. Not because I'm a weak little woman and that's the only thing that I'm worth. But because I'm a strong, powerful female. And I want to be a strong, powerful female in this relationship. Which means I want to make sure that everything that man needs can come from me. In every way that I possibly can provide. Because I'm a strong, powerful female. So that's how I see it. That's way less. Uh, that's way less vulnerable and raw than the first draft. So this is actually probably a crappy, crappy podcast. But I got scared. I don't want everybody coming at me and getting mad at me and and telling me all the reasons and all the scenarios and all the situations where my ideas don't fit. Which actually is fine. I'm not telling you what to do. You can do whatever you want to do. If you want to treat your husband like crap, if you want to make sure every single um, and I know that the opposite of what I said is not treating your husband like crap. But if you want to make sure that everything is perfectly fair and equal in your household and you only have sex when you damn well feel like it and you don't serve your husband because he's not any higher than you, go for it. Uh, if that works for you, fine. Um, this works for me and uh, I'm excited about it. So there you have it. No, I have not always behaved that way. I'm not saying I already have this all figured out and I've just, I'm like the most amazing wife. Um, I have, I have gotten some of these things right a lot in some of my relationships, but I've gotten some of them wrong and I've had to learn the hard way, which embarrasses me and makes me determined to fix it. So I want this to be my last wedding, obviously. You know, my first marriage, I've talked about it, it ended because it was abusive and horrible and controlling. My second marriage ended because of addiction. And, you know, that, that, that is a really frustrating thing. I never wanted to be married, you know, twice. And now here I'm getting married third time, third time. And it's, you know, there's this feeling of a little bit of a stigma. Like, yeah, it's my third marriage. I'm starting to feel like Elizabeth Taylor. Um, and so I always feel like I have to qualify that to be like, yeah, but I mean, this is what happened. I most definitely, in my second marriage, neither one of us did really anything wrong. It wasn't... Um, Addiction. Addiction sucks. And thank God my ex-husband is sober now and happy and thriving. And we both came out of that better people. Um, and so, I don't know. It just Sometimes I feel like it doesn't really count because it was just such a tragedy. <laughs> but I don't have those same fears or worries. Um, I'm really, really excited. So, wife came strong. I say that to Amanda a lot. Wife came strong. She was like, she said that she was sewing a button or something or mending something for Jeff. And he even said, ooh, wife came strong. And I just love that. Like, why not? If you know how to do it, why not do it? I will say, this is how living with Roy is. Uh, when I get up in the morning, if he gets out of bed first, 
he pours my coffee, puts the, the stevia and the almond milk in it for me. Um, he does a lot of the house cleaning. When we go down to boot camp, he doesn't let me carry anything. He pulls the 500-pound wagon of weights. He doesn't let me carry anything. He does everything. When I go switch between clients, he brings my wagon of weights to the park. He brings my scooter down for me when I need to go to the next client. He makes sure that I have everything that I need. He charges all of my electronics. He does laundry. When we drive, he drives. <clears throat> when we go to dinner and he sees that I'm looking around, he asks, what do I need? He flags down the waitress, gets it for me. If I don't feel good, he gets me medicine. He puts me to bed. The, the man treats me like the queen of the world all the time. Not because I deserve it because I'm the woman and I'm weak, but because that man loves me and he treats me like the most special person in the world. And so my response to that is I want him to be able to say all of that about me. So, and I think that's the ideal, right? We want to shoot for the ideal and every day is going to be a little different. It's not always going to be there. It's every day with us is not always ideal. But it doesn't matter how awful I am or how crabby I am or how tired. It doesn't matter how I show up. He shows up well in our relationship. And uh, I have a long way to go to be able to compete with that. And I'm really, really lucky. So there you have it. Wife Game Strong. If you have any feedback, Kristen at kristensmithonline.com, feel free to roast me or maybe you agree with me. I don't know. I know there's a few of you that agree with me on some of this. I don't know that it's rocket science, but I will just finish with one more qualification. Of course, terribly abusive, horrible men, you know, excluded from everything I said. And I don't believe that women are the weaker sex, nor do I believe that I should obey and serve and tremble in fear at my husband. So just in case. And yes, I know that women are crockpots and men are microwaves. Okay. I get it. <laughs> I get it. All right. I think that's quite enough. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. If you want to interact with me, go ahead and send me an email, Kristen at kristensmithonline.com. Follow me on Instagram, The Kristen Experience, and make sure you share this podcast with a friend. That's all I have for you today. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next time here on Destination Begin.